Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, welcome to Parenting the Adlerian Way. I'm your host, Adlerian family counselor and parenting expert, Allison Schaefer. Each week, I answer your burning parenting questions to help reduce the stress of parenting one tip at a time. We'll explore Adlerian psychology together and learn methods of child guidance for raising a happy, confident, capable, resilient child. Hi, everybody. It's Allison. Welcome to this edition of my podcast, Parenting the Adlerian Way. We are on episode 99, and today we're going to do a Q&A. But I have to tell you that that means after this episode, the next one is dun-dun-dun-dun, episode 100. And I think that's very celebratory. So I have sought out a very important guest to have a wonderful 100th celebration with and her name is Julie Lithcott Hames. So catch the next episode with Julie Lithcott Hames. She is the author of How to Raise an Adult that's uh, became so popular. It's a New York uh, Times bestselling book. She was the um, former dean of freshmen um, and uh, at uh, Stanford University. And she talks about how we are over-parenting, helicopter parenting, not preparing kids for life, our failure to adult. And then she wrote a second book that we talk about in this uh, podcast called Your Turn, How to Be an Adult. Again, more written to the audience of our young adults that um, need to grow up and how we're not helping and the impact of all of that. So she also has a a famous TED Talk and she has a a TED course. So it'll be a great interview. Catch her for episode 100 coming up next. But for today's episode, we have a QA. and a And uh, I only have two questions in the queue. I guess people are off on holidays. Um, But uh, but please keep sending in your questions. And uh, before I jump to those questions, I thought I did just want to have a conversation about some of the things that are going on in my Facebook lives and in the media and sort of take this opportunity 
to 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 check in with parents uh and i wanted to use this as a public forum to respond to uh, a an email that I received, or a, a, I guess it was actually just a comment on one of my social media feeds. I had done a interview, one of my regular parenting interviews that I do on Mondays with either Global Morning News or uh, Global's The Morning Show. And we were talking about the Pride Month, which was June here in um, in Canada, and about how on Netflix and Prime Plus and Disney Plus and a lot of the different platforms, whether it's TV shows or movies, that there has been a real change in prolification in creating content that has LGBTQ trans type representations and um, and about coming out to your parents and things. So in the course of talking about that and and posting on Instagram and things like that, there seems to have been a maybe a misunderstanding of my position on that. And I wanted to make sure that I was really clear. And of course, you know, when you're doing these interviews, you've got four minutes. And when you're doing a post, you have 30 seconds to a minute to put up content. And it's pretty easy to take a big subject area and try to distill it down to something concise and then it to be misunderstood, misrepresented, or maybe I misspoke myself. I think in this particular case, I think it was a, in having gone back and listening again, I think that in my enunciation of should versus shouldn't, should, shouldn't, that's like night and day on the advice you're giving. And I think in the recording, something that I said you should do was actually something that I was saying you shouldn't do. And I think they, they didn't hear the NT. So I just want to be really clear on this. So, um, what I was suggesting, if this is at all important to you, first of all, let's just talk about the representation. I, I I think that we have really come a really far way in creating content for consumers that normalize and and help identify that characters that we're watching are 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 like us and we we've seen this with minorities you know when they're saying how come when i watch a tv show i don't see anyone who's asian or i don't see anyone who's african american or i don't see anyone who's disabled and how come i don't see anybody who's you know whatever ad- identifies with different gender identity or sexual expression and over time we're seeing more and more representation so i do believe in the you know the grand arc of time is moving in the right direction uh, a patient as we may be, and we can't rest on our laurels and we have more to do. But in doing that, do we find that some of the representation still represents stereotypes or still represents people that are agonizing about their struggle? And that I would identify with, yeah, we're not, we're not there yet. We're not, we have not completely represented uh, everybody's story. And maybe we have put people on screen, but, but now we've um, maybe made it sound like, you know, everybody that's trans is a tortured soul that's on some terrible journey as opposed to just somebody who shows up in the show or somebody who's fabulous. Like, why aren't they just part of the backdrop? So I, I recognize all those those points of views. And I would still say that the more we have representation, the more we keep working on this as a, uh, a goal as society to have representation in everybody's stories told and to break stereotypes by having exposure to different people, I think we're moving in the right direction. So that's where I want that. That's, that's my position on that. And if you've followed me long enough, I think you know that I'm about social equality and uh, uh, belonging and acceptance for all. And uh, I, I hope that, I hope you've been on my journey long enough to know that that's my, my position um, on that. 
So if I have misspoken myself, I, um, I, I apologize for that. I think the other thing that got confused was about coming out. And we were talking about coming out. And uh, I was saying that people are coming out earlier and that is a measure of feeling more safe and secure because there's a change in society um, and how we as parents create an atmosphere of acceptance at our home long before our kids, um, you know, they know our opinions and our attitudes far, far before they decide what they want to open up and share with us about. And um, I think as society has become more inclusive, uh, this is why we're seeing kids coming out earlier but everyone's journey is their own. And so I was trying to say, and this is where maybe things got misunderstood, uh, that that is the journey of the child who is coming out. And we need to respect their process. And that's individual. So if a child says, I want to tell mom, but I don't want to tell my brother, or, um, you know, I, I'm okay coming out to my friends, but I don't want grandma and grandpa to know, whatever they, whatever their process is, however they want to declare themselves to who, whichever people, we have to support that. We have to support that. And I think the person heard that we should tell them to mute themselves because grandma and grandpa wouldn't understand a transgendered or a gay kid. I don't know. I don't know. They misunderstood what I was saying. You never ask a child to suppress or express anything that doesn't feel genuine to them. It's their journey and we support it and we respect it, period. So if I said any of that wrong, I apologize. There, done, redeemed, I hope, <laughs> or understood. I hate being misunderstood. But let's get on. Let's get on to, to the questions for today. So uh, the first one that I have is we're struggling with our 14-year-old boy who is in confirmation class at church. He suddenly doesn't want to attend church and says he doesn't believe in God. We're a Christian home and our family is quite active in the church work. I believe faith is quite a personal matter, but as parents, we've taken on the baptism vows to raise our kids in God's house until they are confirmed. How do we handle the matter of being supportive parents without forcing the point and damaging our children with him? It's also having an impact on our younger son it, and is causing internal conflict within us as parents. We would appreciate your advice. Thank you so much for the question. You know, I'm reading this through the lens of Adlerian psychology. So I'm always trying to share my thought pro process, process, I realize Canadian, American, how I say that differently. Um, I'm always trying to help you see the decision tree that I go down as somebody who's trained in Adlerian psychology. So when you're asking me about faith, I would make that as a subcategory of the transmission of values from parent to child with spirituality as being one of those value sets. And in your case, uh, the subset of that would be uh, Christianity. And so what, when we when we take it up to the level of values and, and how do we parent effectively around values transmission, values are really interesting because what we see is that um, values are, are passed on and the ones that are held by both parents, uh, both, both caregivers or really take on like a family vibe, the child doesn't really have a, a choice about making that value important, in this case, religion. Um, because there's other values like um, punctuality, wealth, equality, you know, there's a million value sets. And ones that are, um, if they're different between the parents, it's less likely that the child, he might make a, a, a positional statement on it. But the more important it is to parents and the more that two parents are in line and the more that it is showing up in their life, the more they have to make a decision about it. But the decision that they make about the value doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to adopt or accept the value, but they can't be neutral. They can't not think about it. They have to, they have to think about it. They have to decide. 
And so what we find is that when we try to kind of uh, overexpress our values and get ambitious about the adoption of our value set, uh, we can often lead to a fractioning of the family where one child in the family will accept the values and the other person will reject. So it's not uncommon where you kind of get the saint and the sinner in a, in a Christian household where one will go into the ministry and the other one will end up being a delinquent um, because we pushed it so hard. So we're always better. And again, with money, you'll get someone who's really rich and you'll get someone who's homeless. Whenever we have a value that's important to us, we want to try to moderate it as much as possible and, and not, not overexpress it. So what children do is they understand there's this value, there's this thing called God, there's this thing called religion, it's important to my family. And um, in, in adolescence, it wouldn't matter which value set you were talking about. In adolescence, children are um, leaving childhood where they kind of blindly accepted your value system. And now as adolescents, they're testing them. Which ones do I like? Which ones do I not like? Which ones am I not sure of? Which ones are going to resonate with me in adulthood? Which ones have I have I just been, you know, mama's boy and taken on everything she said to me and now I don't I don't want to be a patsy. I better figure this out for myself. And so there's a lot of testing of values in adolescence. It doesn't mean that the ones that they land on for adulthood in their 20s are are um it it's it's not necessarily indicative that if they kick your values to the curb and say I don't believe in God, it doesn't mean that they aren't going to come back at 20 and say, no, you know what, actually, um, I thought about that more. That was part of my growth process. And, uh, and I'm going to run a Christian home for myself as, as I grow up. That could very likely be the trajectory. If, if that's something that you wish for, you're more likely to achieve that end goal by being moderate, by saying like, you know, it's, it's, it's normal for you to question. And I'm glad you're questioning. And it means that you're being a critical thinker. And that's important to me. And much like an apology, which apology would you, would you rather have a kid that has learned blindly to say, I'm sorry, or would you like a child who really has learned compassion and empathy and gives a genuine apology? So, you know, they're in this, in from, from confirmation till, till adulthood, they're really finding out what this, what this means. And we don't know the long story, but if we want to increase the likelihood, we want to say, look, we want you to have a true relationship with Christianity. We want you to have a true belief and faith in God in your relationship with him. And maybe now isn't the time, but I don't want you to like act, act like you're a Christian and fake that you believe in him just to placate us as parents. This is your journey. And we hope you come to the same end destination that, that we have, but we'll leave you, we'll leave you to be and support you on that journey. And I think that's what you're saying when you say that our baptismal vow is that you're that you're going to be supportive, supportive without forcing, and curiosity is part of this phase. So I think you kind of sell it like bees to honey, where you say, "Well, this is this is how religion has played an important role in our life, and this is where we get comfort, and this, you know, whatever it might be," and and live into it in a way that that they admire ad the benefits that you're finding from your faith in your family. So it's really the lived experience of showing the benefits and how you do your daily life and, and, and let them kick it around for a bit. And so that when they pick it up, they say, it's not just because I did what my parents told and I was blindly obedient. It's because I came to this resolution all on my own. Um, I think that maybe as we're raising more mature children, that some of these confirmation um, ceremonies and some of these coming of age ceremonies maybe need to be moved down. Maybe this would, maybe confirmation at eight or nine would be better than confirmation at 14, where it becomes a turmoil over showing up for your confirmation classes or whatever the equivalent would be in Jewish synagogues, or I'm sure there's probably a passage of rites 
in Hinduism and, and all the other major uh, world religions. I'm Unitarian. Uh, our kids do have a coming-of-age ceremony. Uh, if you don't know Unitarianism, it's a non-dogma, non-creedal religion um, that is about creating your own spiritual path and journey with support from your elders. And so the youth do go through a year where you can't join our church until you're an adult. We believe you can't make a decision for yourself until you're, you've re reached adult status. But the adults in the congregation can make a pledge to be a supportive community for that journey. And so their coming-of-age ceremony, they write sort of an essay, um, philosophical positioning paper of where they're at uh, in their 14th year that, that, that talks about, you know, what do you think happens after you die and how do you, you know, just different, you know, things that fall under the spirituality domain and they mentor with a, someone from the congregation all year and then they sort of make a presentation and then we, you know, so it's, it's beautiful. We don't have enough passages of rights and we don't spend enough time thinking about spirituality. And I would hope that everybody, I'm, I'm more interested in people asking the questions and, and making it part of their, mental growth um and and that then then having this great decline in all church attendance and not attending to that life task at all um adlerians have argued amongst themselves whether there's three or five life tasks and probably more but uh spirituality is one that we talk about is that a life task is that something that everybody has to do is that is that important um and so I, I do think we have to have a reckoning with with ourselves and those kind of meta those meta concepts, regardless of where they land on answers. So uh, I think you've got a smart child, a critical thinking child, um, and I think it's going to end well if you can stand back and just really dazzle them with how important it is to you. And I think it's um, important that as parents, then that we don't let our ego of if I was a better Christian parent, my child would go to church every Sunday. You know, I think we have to forget about the judgment of others and just say, uh, you know, I have such a strong faith that I don't need to push it and sell it like a like a salesman. Uh, I think my child is is doing exactly what adolescents do, and I will have all the kind patience and acceptance um, with a bigger vision in mind. And regardless of where they land, I'm going to love them and accept them. And uh, so, um, I hope I hope that's helpful. I hope that's comforting. Um, and my next question. This one goes on a little bit longer, but boy, I think everyone can appreciate it. It says, good, good afternoon, Allison. I have a question regarding my 13-year-old son. He seems to reject any intervention on my part in giving advice on life matters and also likes to comment negatively when I say things either to him or his older brother, who's 17. Here's some examples. One, when he was having some issues with a friend when working on a project and called his friend lazy for not doing his part, his friend was upset by this. Both boys are high achievers. The reason I found this out is that the messages with his friends came through my phone. My iPhone and iPad are on the same account. He has his phone, which he could use. I asked him about it, and he said, why are you reading them? I explained that the two are connected, and he said, I took care of things. I let it go and then tried to discuss this again in the evening at bedtime. At first, he didn't want to discuss it, usual, and said it was taken care of. I then pushed a little more and asked him, did he learn anything from the experience? He said, what do you mean? Would you approach a similar situation in the future the same? We had a discussion which was quite good. This does not happen often. I do struggle with his attitude towards me and his view that I can't possibly know anything. He will discuss things that he found on the web, which aren't accurate. And if I try to tell him that not everything is accurate on the web, he will argue with me. 
on how it is accurate and then he knows what he's doing. And then the third one, I was having a conversation with my older son who was making suggestions on how to deal with the situation when my younger one pipes in and says, mom, stop worrying. He knows what he's doing. I try to step back and not react to my younger son's interruptions or constantly telling me to stop worrying, but I'm at a loss on how to deal with him when he says these things. He's extremely bright, works hard, and is very social. Just see, just need some helpful advice on dealing with a strong-willed 13-year-old who knows it all. <laughs> well, um, I am so glad that you have a smart, achieving uh, uh, child who is willing to speak up for himself, who is willing to open up to you at bedtime. There's so many good things happening here um, that you should feel really proud. Uh, I would also say that we have to step back developmentally and think of all the millions of jokes that have ever happened over the course of time in history and poetry and literature that joke about the fact that the older I got, the smarter my parents became. Because when you're a youth, you're really very interested in in uh, um, using your own brain, making your own decisions, making your own way, proving to the world that you're competent and capable and have your own thoughts, your own opinions. And so uh, checking in with parents, we want them to know that we're accessible to them as support. We don't want to abandon them. We want to be on their journey. But it's much more on a as-needed basis. Please know I'm here for you. I might have something smart to say. When we start inserting without permission our opinions and wanting to process things that they don't want to process or think that we must talk about it because how could they ever come to a conclusion on their own, that's when they get offended that we're seeing them as immature, not managing, or um, that they can't learn from their own mistakes. My guess is with this friend, yeah, you know what? He had a problem. He dealt with his friend. He solved it. And even if it turned out badly, he's going to learn, oh, that was kind of too rude or, you know, oh, I really discouraged him by what I said or he didn't want to do the next project with me. He'll figure it out. He will put it together without any of your great wisdom. So I think when he is saying, step back, mom, I guess I'm saying, take his advice, step back. He seems to be doing fine. If you would have told me that he was really floundering, you know, that he was dropping out of school and getting involved in drugs and, you know, uh, whatever. But, you know, you're, you're telling me that he's, he is actually managing life fine. And he probably would like to hear from you. You know what? Even when you mess up for a short term, you seem to learn on your own. You're managing life fine. I don't need to worry about you. That's what kids need to hear. Trust and faith. And we keep wanting to bestow our great wisdom. And they're, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it and they, and they largely don't need it. So I would say step back. It does not mean you're floundering as a parent. You're creating an environment where you're letting them flounder and fail and, and, and fix their own mistakes. And you're showing them that you are lovingly holding space for them to do that growing. Catch the podcast next week with Julie Lithcott-Hames about that. And with time, he will come to know how, how smart you are. And you don't need to get into these, these arguments um, that, that, to your point, don't really improve his, his um, knowledge and does nothing more than create tension in the relationship. So obviously, if he was on the web and he was suddenly going down a deep, deep hole of conspiracy theory and thinking that the royalty is shapeshifters and some of these other things, but I think just to have a general comment, a more intellectual conversation about um, don't believe everything you read or things can, you know, I, I, 
I trust you to be able to separate fake news from non-fake news and then just wait until things become a little bit more contentious. I would say on a general terms, show more faith, step back and enjoy watching him use his critical brain as he, as he grows and, um, and just let him know you're there on the sidelines should and when he needs you and save your, your insertion that comes against, even if you say, you know, oh, I have a thought on this. Would you like to hear it? That little, that little window of permission and say, okay, sounds like you don't want to hear it, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm here for you. Anytime you have a question, good enough. There you go. All right. Thank you, everybody. Um, these will be posted this, uh, Q and a, as well as my lovely interview with Julie Lithcott Hames. And, uh, but I am off on holidays so I'll be skipping my Facebook Live, and then I'm going off to Ikasi, which is a Adlerian summer school, to get further training with some of the masters in the field um, in Holland. And so I will be traveling abroad and uh, upping my my professional skills, and I will be sharing great information when I come back and hopefully I'll rustle up some people that are willing to give me some interviews for the podcast from uh, the International uh, Forum. And I look forward to all of that. And so have a wonderful, wonderful holiday yourself until we connect again. Stay well. As you know, it takes a village to make a podcast. So thanks to my team, including Max Cotter, my editor and technician, as well as the crew at H2O Digital. This podcast was recorded in Toronto, Canada. We acknowledge the land we are meeting on is the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabek, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.